It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, March 29th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that loves to see a brace, and Morgan Frost got one. Happy for Morgan Frost, not happy otherwise. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about with this game. We're going to talk about John Tortorella and some comments he made about captaincy and some coaching comments on Morgan Frost and Noah Cates, plus your mailbag questions all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is at the Wells Fargo Center and is on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Flyers. That is where we post about Flyers news and our latest episodes. You can also email the show at lockdownflyers at gmail. And uh, we've got a mailbag today. And if you've got questions, you can email them to us. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Subscribe to Locked On Flyers or follow for free on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, we got a last minute switcheroo on the goaltender for the Flyers in uh, Felix Stanstrom checking in Carter Hart with a lower body injury to be determined when he might come back. But I thought Felix Sandstrom did pretty well in this game. Yeah, I mean, he, he was fine. There was, there was nothing that he did that I was worried about. Uh, I thought he had a good game. I'm not sure the team played great in front of him. Uh, but, you know, but he did a good job. And, and that's all that matters. I mean, a lot of the problems that were happening for the Flyers were because they're just not fast enough. And so if Montreal had more of a killer instinct or if they had, you know, Caulfield there, it'd probably be a different game because uh, the Flyers were just, you know, late to pucks. They couldn't block a lot of shots early because they you can't block a shot if you're not set up. And so, you know, that was a difference early in the game. But, you know, they were lucky they got Morgan Frost on a good night. And the win is uh, it's mixed feelings on this one. So, you know. <laughs> Yeah, certainly understand it. Uh, the Flyers are 5-0-1 in their last six, and they're 5-1-1 in this uh, homestand that they uh, just finished up. And certainly, I think a lot more points than people might have thought they would have gotten in this run of games. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not so much even looking at Detroit. It's, so, it's sort of like looking, saying, well, what happens if they pick outside of the top 10 this year. That would be horrible. I mean, and it could happen. I mean, that's what you have to, you know, that's what a lot of people are thinking and tweeting to me and messaging to me. Yeah, I think uh, it's a little uh, unsure right now in terms of, of these wins. And and it's hard, man, because I feel so good for some of these young guys. We've been saying, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're finally kind of getting it together. And some of the things that they've been working on all season are paying off now. 
Um, you know, Morgan Frost is getting praise from John Tortorella, which is not something we would have seen even like two months ago, I would say. And and so mixed mixed feelings for sure. In the Montreal room, they were not upset about this loss. Nobody was sitting around mad. There, there, nobody was mad about this. So, yeah, I mean, they, they did have a rough game the night before in the back-to-back. Uh, it went to a shootout. They were probably a little tired. So uh, I'm not sure they had too much to say. They copped to it. But again, they were not upset with the loss. And that just tells you something. And so, yeah, they, they played. Uh, was it their max effort? I don't think so. No, definitely a lot of sloppy play, like you were saying. Um, a lot of turnovers in this one. I thought the one thing that to Montreal quote, I'll quote was, Jonathan Duran. He just said there was a lot of chip ins and chip outs. If that's you know how you're yeah. playing at the end of the year, to you know that doesn't secure anybody jobs. Yeah, I did think uh, the one thing that Montreal was doing pretty well in that game was like getting sticks in to prevent the flyers from getting a shot off on the rush. Yes. I thought the flyers were just waiting too long to make something happen. And Montreal would just like poke check the puck away. And that was that. Mm -hmm. And the flyers power play was still bad. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I thought the second one was better than the first one. That's for sure. But it didn't. That's no brainer. (laughs) I know, but like it didn't get them anywhere. No. Um, Good for them, though, for staying out of the penalty box in this one. I, I think yeah. that, um, you know, as much as sometimes you like to see the penalty kill just to see, you know, what certain guys are doing on it. Very glad to not see it, given the way it's been going recently. No, <laughs> and I can understand that. And, solves and the look, problem. And I, yeah, and I thought Caden Primo played fine. Like, uh, you know, to play uh, near his hometown, you know, he's from Voorhees and his dad played, obviously, with the Flyers, Keith and all that. You know, that's nice for him. He had a good effort. There was nothing wrong with what he did. Yeah, I think so, too. And, yeah, again, this was just a real tough game to watch, I think, overall, until maybe, you know, there was part of the second period and then, you know, the last five minutes were exciting. And then that was that. Yeah. Even on a night that it was Pearl Jam night, they didn't even play a lot of Pearl Jam. Just saying. Yeah, I saw a couple posts to that effect, which is really odd because there's a lot of Pearl Jam out there to draw from. I know you thought maybe they'd show some video, like show Eddie Vedder at some point on screen, something, concert footage, nothing. That is so odd. Well, at least there was like a giveaway. But it was Sean Couturier bobblehead night. Yeah, it was Sean Couturier bobblehead Which night. also is an odd combination with Pearl Jam night. But Yeah. Maybe they'll write a song about them. Yeah. Uh, the Flyers also played the 11-7 again with Braun checking back in. Oh. And I, just no point to that whatsoever. I don't think that added anything to what was happening in the game. It might have subtracted. It might have subtracted. Yeah, especially with uh, Delorier checking back in for the first time in a few games. Like, I think, you know, giving him some regular line mates or you know, like just a more regular way to to ease back into it might have been better for him as well. But um, yeah, just not a lot going on on either side of the ice for this one. Nope. Uh, You know, Wade Allison was back to getting regular minutes. That was a plus for him, but the minus for him is he just can't bury a breakaway. He just can't do it. Yeah. That was a, 
that was hard as well. And yeah, they, I think multiple guys needed some, some help with some accuracy on the shots. Cause there were some, well, Cam, Cam York. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I have talked about it and I finally tweeted. He, he needs just the same as Owen Tippett, even with his 22 goals. They, both of those guys need a shooting coach. Cam York's shooting percentage is 3%. I yeah. mean, to miss on an open one timer is crazy, but he has one goal on the season. One. Yeah, that is uh, not good, especially like if you're quarterbacking the power play, like you're going to take some shots for them from the point and you're going to expect at least a few of them to go in. Right. All right. Well, we have a lot more to talk about on today's show. Up next, we are going to dig in some comments from John Tortorella's uh, morning skate press conference yesterday and just talk a little bit about his announcement that there won't be a captain next season as well as you know some chalk talk with uh, some coaching strategies and we'll do that coming up next the tournament's heating up and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel America's number one sports book that's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 that's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. All on the app that's safe and secure and super easy to use. So don't miss out. Don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right, Russ. So yesterday before practice, uh, John Tortorella, as he normally does, uh, has his media availability. And I thought it was an interesting conversation that they had. And it was more conversational than question answer for periods of it, which I really liked. And uh, a couple things came out of it. The first of which Uh, mostly because we very recently spoke about this, I wanted to bring up, and he said specifically that he does not plan on naming a captain for next season for the team. We had talked about uh, Scott Lawton kind of naturally progressing toward taking that role. And uh, so what did you think about that definitive statement that there will be no captain? Yeah, I didn't like it, um, to be uh, frank about it. I, I, I don't see the purpose of not having one. Having one is supposed to be the conduit between the players and the coach. I've never seen a team go more than one year without one. Um, I know Flyers fans um, brought up the Rangers and they didn't have one for a while. And then they named Jacob Truba the captain. And, you know, that's what you do. That's what teams do. I, I don't love this decision. I just feel like you need to have a captain. The captain speaks to the referees. Uh, yeah, somebody with an A can do it too, but it's just like, why are you going to be the only team in the league that doesn't have one? It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, there's a lot of of truth to that. And I think it's something that helps develop leadership on a team, knowing that there's a goalpost, right? That you get an A or you get a C on your jersey. That means a lot. I think that um, you know some players may have that written into contracts as performance incentives, Um, but I, I think that there's a a lot to it from a a leadership development standpoint. For me, I think that the issue I had with it is the timing of saying that. I think that it's something maybe you bring up at the beginning of training camp 
you know, preseason and you say, you know, based on the personnel that you have, you can say, you know, this, the goals for this year are X, Y, and Z. And I don't want to focus on the letters on the jerseys because of whatever reason that is looking at the personnel you have, but we don't even know who's going to be on the team next year. And so to kind of say now that there isn't going to be a captain next season, I think it's sort of, is could be disheartening for some of the guys. I think it's something yeah, we'll that, never admit it, but of course it is. Because I think you know it shows like results for the hard work yeah. that that you've put in. Um, but I, so I, I disagree with the timing. As far as like having a captain or not having a captain, I don't know that it matters that much in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, it's not something I would get necessarily like that riled up about I mean, um, there's a reason every but, other team has one they don't just do it just so they could sell sweaters you know they do it for other reasons too sure and i think that you know it's like taking leadership of talking to the officials on the ice you know who are your designated people that's like the main job a captain or people with the a have right but i think that it's not gonna hurt the team in the in the grand scheme of things to not have a captain for two years um, but at the same time, I do think it kind of just takes something away from what the players are trying to build as far as, again, building that identity. Yeah. Well, who are your leaders? Right. That shows what your identity is. And so that's where I, I think, you know, something is missing here. Yeah, it's it's sort of like the uh, the army aspect of things. This is how like the army works. Uh, the other thing that. John Tortorella talked about in that presser. Uh, it was a really interesting conversation. I believe it was Charlie O'Connor who brought it up initially, but uh, mentioning Noah Cates in the context of what does a Selkie-nominated uh, player look like? Like what what is it versus what it used to be? And you know, Tortorella was saying, you know, there's too much offense you know, taken into consideration that it really has to be a two-way player. Mm -hmm. And there, there was just this really nice back and forth about it. And, um, but it was brought up about Noah Cates specifically that face-offs is something that he has to work on. And that's something we've talked about on this show quite extensively over the past couple of months. But it, it was really nice to hear Tortorella talking in detail about the coaching around that, that Daryl Williams, who's a name that we don't hear very often, like what does he do as a coach? Mm -hmm. Well, apparently he's working very closely with Noah Cates on face-offs and they talk about them every time he takes one, comes off the bench, Daryl Williams talks to him on the bench and, and they kind of regroup on and do a post-mortem essentially on what happened on that last face-off right. he took. And so I think that to me, that's it's a good sign that things are being recognized and being addressed. Now, will he get there? I don't know, but I think overall that was a good sign. No, I mean that's a good sign. Um, I'd be interested to know if if Daryl's working the same way with Morgan Frost, because like Frost is slightly better on faceoffs, but in a lot of games the last couple of weeks he's been a lot better. Um, right. He Frost is a plus player. Kate's isn't. And I'm not picking on Cates, but what I'm basically trying to, to point out here is Frost was always going to be on this arc that says, you might be a second-line center. And it seems like Torts is fighting that by trying to make Cates a second-line center. And to be honest, you could see Morgan Frost has faster hands. Like, that's, right. that's blatantly obvious. Now, there's other things Frost has to work on, 
Uh, he has to get stronger, and I think when he gets stronger, he won't be reaching as much on faceoffs. But he needs less work on faceoffs than Cates does, which is probably why they're doing that. But again, I worry about John trying to force a square peg into a round hole here because he likes the other aspects of Cates' game better than Frost. And so it's like you already have a guy here that's that's a little more well suited for it, but you don't really talk about that guy doing it. Yeah, it's interesting though with with the both of those guys in particular that they both seem to be players that John Tortorella like continuously raises the bar on his expectations right. for those guys. And that I think I appreciated the fact that there seems to be some additional coaching with both of them mm-hmm. uh to support those goals, right? Mm-hmm. Where he doesn't talk positively about Noah Cates or Morgan Frost all the time. And I think it's a coaching methodology to push them to exceed expectations. And I feel like he does that with players he wants to keep around. And it's very obvious when there's like guys he doesn't talk about at all that he doesn't really have as much invested. Yeah, in, and this in is where growth. a lot of times I differ from co- his coaching strategies because uh, I don't feel like always moving the goalpost is going to make players better. I don't. I do think there's a certain amount of satisfaction that players are allowed to have when they get to a certain point. And I don't think they should ever be comfortable with that, but I feel like they should feel that. And even Scott Lawton having his yeah. best season almost can't feel that. And I, and I felt bad when he was talking about it the other day, you could tell there's some certain satisfaction there, but you could tell that, mm, you know, you're not allowed to ever like feel good about it. And, and based on, you know, what the coach says, you know, that's a shame. He may say different things behind closed doors, but this is all we hear. So this is all I can go by. Right. And and I think that it's just, it's not a good thing or a bad thing. I think that Tortorella has gotten a lot of good out of, you know, and, and some good growth out of a lot of these players um, by using that method, or at least it seems like that's what's happening here. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you can see where it's missing with maybe some other players. And so I think it's just something to keep an eye on with Tortorella, especially going into next season where there could be more younger guys up for longer that have to take, you know, similar kind of growth arts to Cates and Frost from this season. And uh, I think that, um, like I said, it's not it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just how Tortorella operates. And I'm very interested to see, you know, how this changes when more and more of the younger guys are, are up on a longer basis. Yeah, I mean. You know, ultimately, you don't want this to turn into a Columbus situation where when they finally make the playoffs, they're so relieved that they make the playoffs, but they're not really a real contender. Uh, That's what happened with his last job. And so unless we see something different, I'm going to worry that that's what's going to happen at this job, too. It's it's a you know, it's something you have to think about. And so right now, I don't see where they're in any better shape than, let's say, Columbus was with him yet. So we'll see. Next year is a big year because he's kind of gotten like the past this year. Like everything's great. They're they're right. winning more or whatever. And, you know, they're in this rebuild now. So it's like, yeah, a couple guys developed. You know, everything's great. But, you know, that's not going to last forever, that feeling. Well, I don't think anybody's saying everything's no, great. No, but... I mean, like it's, it's better. <laughs> yeah. and No, nobody's saying everything's yeah. great. That's true. All right. Well, uh, we obviously have a lot of questions about things that are happening with the Flyers, and so do you. So we will answer some of them coming up next. All right, Russ, uh, 
like getting right into our mailbag questions. This is a good one about the management search uh, from Will. Are the Flyers limiting their president of hockey op search by already having a coach and probably a GM in place? Seems like the team is handling all of this in reverse order. Well, I mean, you're saying probably a GM and that's what you should say. So I don't think that limits it. But the coach, yeah, that. listen, I mean, again, what if they bring in a president now that believes they should have a captain? Then there's going to be this conversation because John Tortorella already said he doesn't believe there should be one. You know what I mean? He's already saying some things. Uh, how they're going to do this, how they're going to do that. We'll get to one of those things in another question. And what if the person they bring in doesn't want to do it that way? Or what if the person they bring in kind of goes along with it at the beginning and then says, no, 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 this isn't working. Now we need to do it this way. I think in some respects, they are limiting it a little bit uh, because they're kind of looking for this um, special kind of person that could handle both jobs, in other words, that's had both and sees both sides. And so they're probably limited themselves a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. And I've seen that in the corporate world where like people get hired at middle management level and then a new VP comes in and then they have a whole other way they want to do things. And maybe some of that personnel isn't suited to that new way of doing things. And, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, it could upset the apple cart yeah. a little bit. It's a, it's a really good question for sure. Uh, next question, is the mood around the Flyers more positive heading toward the end of this season and into the offseason than it was last year at this time? I mean, anything would be. Like last year, they were just, they were kind of <laughs> like walking the plank. That's the way it was. Um, so anything was going to feel better than that. I still don't think there is a mood where they feel like they're going to make the playoffs next year. I think everybody feels like there's going to, you know, look, Quite frankly, there's going to be a sense of relief that they got through the season with Tortorella the first year for some players. They will never admit it, but there's going to be that. And then there's going to be ones that won't be here that didn't really work with him. And the ones that did work with him, they'll, you know, they'll benefit. And there's, there are some that have slipped a little with him. So I think they overall feel better, but I think the bar was so low. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I certainly feel better. Mm -hmm going into this offseason um, and next year than I did last year. I think, honestly, partially because of Chuck Fletcher and him not being around for this offseason. I think, you know, both of us had some trepidation oh, yeah. about him handling the draft and free agency. So I think really the same. Nobody's changing yeah. that. It's just Chuck isn't there. Yeah, I think there's some of that, which may be, you know, clouding things a little bit, just some extended euphoria about knowing that there's change at the top. Right. But I also think that, um, you know, while there's been pros and cons to bringing some of the guys up from Lehigh Valley, I think getting a, a sneak peek at some of them and, and what they can do, I think there's a little bit more positivity around it, that there's less, there's more of a known quantity, like with Tyson Forster specifically. I think, you know, you can say, and we did say reasons why he shouldn't have been called up. But I think having had called him up that we've seen, you know, some little bits of potential there that we can look forward to for next season. And I'm not sure we had that um, as much at the end of last. Sure. Season. But there's still so much strife. Like I'll give you an example. Um, I just wrote an article about Jackson Nelson. We talked about it on the show. 
I said, I think he'd be an excellent fourth line center. And people are like, oh, we got too many third and fourth liners. It's like, hold on. If you get a guy that fits a system that you could get without giving up assets and all you have to do is give a contract and develop them, you still do it. Hey, there's still always a chance that he can become a second liner. But the idea is you still go after that player. It's not that player's fault. You don't just automatically stop because right now we see a lot of third and fourth liners on the flyers. You don't, you don't do that. But, so there, but there's a lot of that. And so there's still a lot of angst out there, too. I just think there's just so much unknown as well. Right. So we're not sure. are always afraid of is the unknown. Yeah. So uh, speaking of all of that, this is a good next question to go into. Are there any goals for free agency this year, or is it just fill in a few vet spots to hold over until the following season? Well, again, are we going to take John at his word that they're going to try and move these contracts and then they're going to backfill? Um, if they do that, then I really have no goals for them in, in free agency other than picking up a penalty killer. So if somebody comes into the front office and that changes, then that's fine. And I think I think they have to do more than just backfill. I think if there's a possibility that you could get a top six player out there that you can afford or somebody you believe can turn into a top six player, then I think you still have to go get that player. Just because it says rebuild, and again, they've had so many different definitions of rebuild here because it's not an exact rebuild. Just because it says rebuild doesn't mean you shouldn't have certain players in certain slots for you know to help out your younger players. You're going to need that. But if you're going to wait until you have to move these contracts to actually see who's on the market and what you can afford, it's going to really limit them. And then I would say they're just going to get a penalty killer or maybe a, uh, another you know, veteran defenseman as an extra, just in case. Yeah. And I think to your point, really the penalty killer issue is one thing that I think you have to get through free agency. Um, Mm -hmm. If they decide that that's a goal they want to achieve is to improve the penalty kill. Um, And I think it, it also depends on what other moves get made and who they trade maybe at, at the draft um, to see what opens positions there are right so if they end up trading a defenseman you know a a top four defenseman then they got to replace that right so i I think there's a lot of question marks there but i think as far as you know as of what we know now the only kind of thing that you really need to fill in is the um is the penalty kill role all right uh last question uh when do you think the flyers will lay out their game plan for the future also it could be will they yeah it's a good question because danny has said nothing john has said a lot you know danny said what he said on the first day which wasn't a lot and john has said a lot more does that mean they align with their game plans we don't know because danny doesn't have a definitive position yet so I think it's up in the air. Uh, I don't know if they're actually going to really tell anybody. Like, I don't know if they're going to have time to tell anybody. I mean, I'll assume that they'll have their staff in place before the draft. And by then they'll be so busy, like maybe they'll tell you in July at dev camp and maybe they just won't bother until the season starts, until that first, you know, press conference before preseason. It might take that long. Right. I would assume that Dan Hilferty will have some sort of postseason, like press conference, like as soon as the 
as the season is over, say, okay, I'm taking over now. Here's what the next couple of months are going to look like just to kind of lay out what the timing is on the GM official hiring, you know, the president hiring, um, what the staffing or what the plan is to get through the draft. Um, that's what I would expect. I wouldn't expect to hear anything until then, because I think there's, there's going to be this crossover period, um, where they, they just have to get their ducks in a row. Now they have had time. Obviously this has been planned for, you know, a little while now, but that's, I think just kind of out of almost respect for the team and for John, they're just going to kind of let the season play out. But the suit, this, you know, the exit day stuff, I would expect to hear a significant amount from management. Okay. That's ostensibly why change is happening, right? It should be different. Should be. Should be. All right. Uh, That is going to do it for today's show. Our Flyers fun thing. They had the carnival again this past weekend. Flyers put out a lot of picks from it. Very good event. Seemed like everybody had a really good time. So I'm very happy for everybody who got to attend. Yeah, uh, we, yeah we will be back tomorrow. We're going to preview the game against the Sens. We're going to continue our prospect profile series and more. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. If you want your mailbag question answered on the show, you can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers, email us at Lockdown Flyers at Gmail, or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen today. Now make your next listen game to game NHL. It's every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. It's on your Locked On NHL feed anywhere you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.